one of the most frequently misquoted verses in all of Scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. We most often hear it quoted as, money is the root of all evil. That is actually not what it says. The actual translation is, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The distinctions are important. If we, as followers of Christ, are to understand how we are to view money and those who have it. And I would include in the idea of money most of what our society considers wealth and capital. Given the monstrous impact that money, wealth, capital have in our society, it is a monstrous difference whether Jesus believes and teaches that money itself is the root of all evil or the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's a very big difference. This morning's story from Mark's Gospel is one of the most revealing stories and helpful stories for us understanding Jesus' view on money and those who have it. And in it, we see that money itself is not the root of all that separates us human beings from God. However, I will say that the presence of significant wealth in any society roots quickly and deeply, and it blooms brightly and visibly, so that the presence of significant wealth can be one of the most deeply rooted obstacles between human beings and the dominion of God in our lives. As I say with the kids, Paul's list of those he wants to say hello to in his letter to the Christians in Rome reveals quite clearly that people having wealth is not in itself a problem. The very first person he mentions, Phoebe, is someone who at at least some point had significant wealth. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. Uh, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. And that word help in there actually has the connotation of benefactor. She has been the benefactor for a lot of people. And the first couple he, he mentioned for the next group, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, uh, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. They were wealthy enough to have a large enough home that the church could be, and granted, these weren't, you know, 300, 400 member churches. These were smaller groups, but it, their house was big enough to hold a gathering of Christians to worship. They had wealth. 
These are people, Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila and, and others that are mentioned, who, who have wealth. And Paul is thanking them by name. They are not only leaders in the church and, as he says, co-workers with him in Christ, but they have <laughs> used their wealth to help build the church. In our gospel story from this morning, we hear how Jesus views the young man independent of his wealth. When he first shows up, again, he's this uh, person who seems quite earnest, uh, falls at Jesus' knees, asks him, good teacher, what must I do? Jesus responds, well, you know what, what God says about um, what to do, what not to do, and do not murder, commit adultery. And the, the young man responds to him and says, teacher, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. And when he says that, Jesus doesn't laugh at him. Jesus doesn't dismiss him as not knowing what he's talking about. Instead, we hear Jesus looked at him and loved him. And there's even some thought that there was some physical expression of this, like he hugged the man or somehow you know, revealed to the person himself even that he was loved by Jesus. And we know, as we hear from the rest of the story, that the man is rich. Uh, that he, he walked away sad because he had great wealth. Um, some of the translations even have it. Uh, he, had, he had great estates, plural. And yet, Jesus loved him. His wealth did not make him evil. Jesus loves this young man. But this is also the same story where Jesus sort of drops the mic on his disciples by saying how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples are astonished by what Jesus is saying because again, especially then, and still to this day, there's this belief that wealth was a sign of God's favorable judgment on how a person was living their life. Wealth was God's blessing to people. But Jesus obliterates that idea in verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We need to hear that for as starkly as it is put. It is harder for a camel to go through the eyelet of a, a sewing needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. It is, and that image is as absurd as it sounds. It's meant to be. Jesus pronounces the judgment on whether that's possible or not. He says, it isn't for human beings. It's impossible for rich people to do this. This is not one of those, well, there was the a gate into the city of Jerusalem that was really small and the camels had to have everything taken off of them in order that, for them to get out. No, this is impossible, he says. This is a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. Jesus is more specific 
in disqualifying rich people from the kingdom of God than almost any other category of people that we hear. This story to me reveals the absolutely heretical hypocrisy of preachers who rant against homosexuality and homosexuals. Jesus never says a single direct word against those in the LGBTQ plus community. Whereas here alone, two times in just this one little story, Jesus calls out rich people specifically as those who are not going to make it into the kingdom of God. Again, though, it's not the money, the wealth, the capital itself that is evil. It's loving money, wealth, and capital to the point where we make choices for acquiring wealth or for holding on to what we have, even when it means turning our backs on the way of God. That's the important part. And this young man in this morning's story is just one example of me in our world. When Peter speaks on behalf of the disciples to say in verse 28, we have left everything for you, Jesus uses that as a way to sketch in words a better way to live in general. I tell you the truth, no one, including you, have, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields, sources of wealth for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is essentially saying to Peter and the other disciples, God's way is not about giving up and what you give up and, and what you sell and give poor. It's not about giving up stuff and relationships. God's way is about opening up our lives and sharing all of our stuff and, and our relationships, our love, with others. That's the way of God. In the way of God, all things would be shared so that all human beings are cared for and no one is left hurting and left behind. And all relationships would be filled with such love that it would be like gaining family everywhere we go and everywhere we are. Again, Paul's list of greetings uh, at the end of the book of Romans reveals how much he was living out this experience. In addition to the part about thanking uh, Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila, both of whom have shared their wealth so that people are taken care of, including himself, to the point of, he even says about Priscilla and Aquila, they risked their lives for me. He goes on and says things like, um, Greet my dear friend Epinetus. Uh, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. 
They aren't actually his relatives, as far as we know. Um, they are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, uh, goes on. Greet Herodian, this is verse 11, my relative. Again, the whole concept that we hear over and over again in the scriptures, my sister and brother. Greet the sisters and brothers. That's the depth of love that they are sharing. And to the point in verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Greet Asconadius, Phlegon, Hermes, and all these others, brother, and brothers and sisters with them. The brothers and sisters. Greet everyone with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. That's the, the, the breadth of and the depth of the relationships that God hopes for are established in love with among all people through Christ and the reconciliation with God. What a beautiful picture of what the church is at its best. The presence of vast wealth hoarded by a few people in our society, literally a few people, prevents the vast majority of all people from living under the dominion of God, living the way that God wants all people to live. For those few who hoard hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions in the hands of a handful of people, they are living a pinch and a shallow semblance of the life that God would have them live. And they are hurting millions of people in the process, just within our own country. And for those tens of millions of persons in our country who live in poverty, some of it abject poverty, they are not being cared for in the way that God would have them cared for. And they're not even being allowed a chance to thrive. This is not what God wants. Our Hebrew First Testament reading has a word of warning for those who hoard wealth or for those who are want, wanting to be rich, but encouragement also to the poor. Do not be overawed when a person grows rich, when the splendor of their house increases, for they will take nothing with them. They will, and uh, when they die, the splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they counted themselves blessed. And, I love this, uh, people do praise you when you prosper. They will join the generation of their fathers and mothers who will never see the light of life. Now this is the important part. A person who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Without understanding. Those who have wealth without understanding. It's not the money in and of itself. It's what it does to our relationship to God and others and the following of Christ. The truth is none of us follow Christ perfectly. 
what Jesus is after here is the irony that the more wealth we have, the more difficult it gets to follow Christ. Money is not the root of all evil, but it can be one of the most deeply rooted obstacles to following Christ. The good news for all of us, no matter rich or poor, the good news, as always, comes from Jesus Christ. This is to all of us in verses 26 and 27. The disciples were totally shocked and said, well, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with humans, it is impossible. Essentially, no. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. With God, all can be saved. With God, all are saved. The love of money, of wealth, of capital, too often leads to a closed, defensive, self-centered life. The way of Christ leads us to an abundant life of loving relationships where all people are cared for. Loving Christ more than wealth leads us all to a better life. Thanks be to God.